Greetings, friends. Welcome back to yet another session of The Encouraging Word. My name is Paul Bennett. I'm here with Stephen Young, both staff members of the uh, delightful Rocky River United Methodist Church. And uh, this is our podcast, and it is almost Christmas. So we want to round out our, our Christmas series by covering what uh, is going to be the fourth chapter today of Adam Hamilton's book, Incarnation. This is the book we've used for our Advent study here at the church. we got a, a number of different groups that are meeting week in and week out to talk about uh, ch- each chapter of this book, one at a time, our sermons uh, throughout the month of December. Last uh, week of, of November, as we launched Advent, have been uh, connected to this book. and So uh, we're, we're talking about it for the final time, and then we'll tuck it away on the bookshelves until uh, next year when we break out something new. But Adam Hamilton's Incarnation... And uh, chapter 4 is called The Light of the World and all about uh, uh, the Gospel of John and John's treatment of the Christmas story, which is kind of a unique subject in itself. Uh, We'll get into in a minute, but um, especially John's uh, reference to Jesus as the light and also as uh, the word, the word and the light. So uh, before we take a deep dive into that, though, uh, Stephen and I are going to check in and, and talk uh, fit segment here every time before we go into the the uh, intellectual content that we always have uh, queued up for you. We <laughs> like to take a little lighthearted plunge into our lives and some of our non-intellectual content. Our non-intellectual, <laughs> maybe non-intelligent even, if right. that's <laughs> and just um, let uh, you know stuff that's going on in our lives. So hopefully that somehow fits our. Uh, fits our fit segment uh, template of it being funny, interesting, or thought provoking. So, uh, Stephen, you got a, a fit segment queued up for us here? Yeah, so I got one here that I'm not sure um, if I've said this before. So, um, but now everyone's going to be thinking I have said it before. Anyways, my my fit segment is practicing the piano. Um, I've been actually around the time of COVID in 2020, fall of 2020. Um, I've always kind of, I've always had an interest in playing piano and people always look at my hands and they're like, oh, what great hands you have. You, maybe you <laughs> can play piano. So, uh, um, and I've, I've always had a musical, like, I don't know if always, but I do have a, I really love music a lot. I mean, I listen to music constantly um all the time earbuds speakers sing it out loud while you're yeah maybe not singing i listen to a lot of music that has no words so um i can't different just soundtrack stuff electronica stuff lo-fi hip-hop stuff um piano instrumentals it's a lot of stuff like that um but yeah, so practicing piano is is something I always had wanted to do. So I have a piano upstairs, little keyboard. Um, we actually did end up buying a piano that I haven't played on too much. It needs to be tuned. Um, it's a great showpiece though. But <laughs> I would lo- <laughs> I want to be able to be good enough to go downstairs and play on the real piano. But I've been playing on my keyboard a lot because um, you can control the volume too. Because the kids are. Usually I practice at night, and the kids are trying to go to bed, and I can't practice on the on the real grand. It's not a grand piano, but a stand-up piano. Um, yeah, but I've been really enjoying it. I I think it's I've gotten a little better and better, but I do realize that there's a certain point where I'll need more intervention of 
teacher or something. Um, Paul, you don't know piano, do you? I don't. Well, I I can yeah. play Ode to Joy. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe you can teach me that. You could be my piano teacher for Ode to Joy. So. I think somehow you would probably <laughs> you would probably not need me. <laughs> it's a, it's Paul, we always need figure. you. Okay, Paul, you, you you're needed by us. Oh, that that means Paul's going through. <laughs> yeah, he's going through depression time right now. <laughs> 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 just before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, just before Christmas. No, we're yeah. joking, but. Yeah, I enjoy it, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and hopefully I can get better at it, but yeah, it's, it's what, kind of what I've been doing. Excellent. So, uh, do you play any other instruments, Steve? No. Okay. I wish, nope. I try to play trumpet. I like saxophone a lot. I try to play that, but wait, that was when I was super young, so, but no, piano. Piano is more accessible. Maybe the other one may be interesting would be uh, guitar. It's just a little, that's interesting. A little acoustic guitar. Yeah. That's and I have a little app. I use an app to try to teach myself. It's, okay. it's a good app. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Huh? Um, but so when you were super young, you've always been young, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> that is my last name for those who don't know. Us uh, fathers have to practice our dad jokes, you yeah. know, even <laughs> in, in the off hours or else yeah, we start to lose our touch. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. Um, I'm anxious to hear, you know, your first recital here at the right. church yeah. or first time you step in and yeah. play uh, some special music maybe right. during yeah, the service. Exactly. Yeah. You might not need a yeah, – I might be the youth pastor and the music director here in the future. So. Ooh, look out. <laughs> look out. Steven's taking over. No, no, it's never going to happen. So. <laughs> Cool. Well, we'll we'll continue to encourage you on that uh, on that adventure, Stephen. Look forward to hearing from you uh, playing the keys. Um, for my fit segment, I thought I'd just share something that's not all that exciting. But um, family and I went bowling uh, a week or two back with some some friends uh, from the church and had a had a good time. And I, I guess it's only significant because I uh, I. Uh, I think I bowled my best game ever, but it's not something that I keep track of, so I, I can't really provide any evidence for that. But um, so I'm I'm one of these casual bowlers, you know, like most that show up and don't know how to do the fancy, you know, putting spin on the ball thing. Um, don't know how to hold the ball. Don't really know how to approach the the lane the correct way. Doesn't know where he's at, or what he's doing. He's yeah, totally <laughs> lost. It. Those guys you look at while he's bowling. Lost, like, yeah. Has this guy ever set foot in a bowling alley before? <laughs> so that's usually me. And uh, so bowling has always kind of been a field thing for me. Like there are days when I feel like uh, if I'm not overthinking it, I can I can aim decent and throw it hard enough to knock down some pins. And then there are days when, you know, no matter how hard I try and, and how smart I think I am and trying to correct my mistakes, I throw it in a gutter every time. But uh, I, my first game, I bowled a 139. 139. Wow. Uh, so put that in perspective. Like, what's a, like a perfect score? Isn't so it 400? I think so. So okay. uh, I'm trying to relate to other sports. So if, if right. Wilt scored 100 in a game, that'd be like me scoring, you know, to 30 in a game, in right. an NBA game. That was one of those kind of days. Oh, wow. Is that That's a proper analogy? Uh, not quite because you weren't, like, in a bowling tournament. You but know, bowling is bowling, like whether you're you're surrounded by fellow tournament people or whether you're playing at, you know, Bob's Corner Alley, it's, you know, the yeah, skill level required and the process right. is identical. 
Perfect game is 300 points. 300 points. So, you're so I was almost halfway there. <laughs> so I scored like 50 in an oh NBA game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Way the, uh, yeah. Um, I think that I, I think that analogy works. So, no, it was a fun time. And um, actually, the, there were two other guys sharing a lane with me, and, and it was really close right down to the wire. Uh, I just eked it out. And then, uh, fortunately, partway through the second game, I had to leave early because <laughs> I was way behind. And, um well, that's not why I had to leave. We had somewhere to be, but I didn't have to to suffer through watching my yeah. skills diminish as they always do the next game. So you're the guy when you're losing. You're, hey guys, I gotta go. I'm yeah, so, I gotta sorry. go. I, I, I just can't yeah, see this yeah, through. Geez. This is too painful. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I like to bowl on occasion. Um, I don't think I'd want to do it all the time. I think I'd probably start to get bored with it. So, uh, speaking of getting bored with things, you're probably getting bored with our fit segment and we got to get to work here so uh we are on chapter four and uh, i believe steven's gonna gonna take off uh with our first quote here yep uh chapter four is called light of the world or um as paul said we're about to take off so uh, when you see the seatbelt sign um would you sorry (laughs) (laughs) is this this is steven's attempt at practicing his dad jokes clearly (laughs) <laughs> Clearly, his his efforts could oh, use some. All right, um, so we're gonna look at page thirty first. Um, one one hundred and thirty. Page sorry, one hundred thirty. Okay. I'm all now. Um, one hundred page one hundred thirty. Um, again, like we we've been doing in the past three weeks, we've been looking at quotes, <laughs> choosing quotes from the book, um, Incarnation by Adam Hamilton, and um, speaking through these quotes, quotes that we found impactful, quotes that we found interesting, thought-provoking, and maybe not funny, but um, quotes that we think that really helped enliven um, the book. All right, page 130. Um, This is the point of Christmas. It is a celebration of light piercing our darkness, God's light coming to us to enlighten our lives. We need not fear that we will stumble or become lost because we are no longer trying to find our way in the dark. We have the light of Christ by which we walk. Um, and also kind of uh, kind of a side quote that goes along with it is that at Christmas time, God, who created and sustained the universe, um, was breaking into the world. Um, his light and life, world and word and flesh, grace and truth, and the glory of uh, the glory of God's or the Father's only Son. Um, so th- yeah, this this again this quote and this uh, this quote is kind of like the anchor for the whole chapter about the light of the world, um, and just it's trying. I, I think this is always a struggle with anyone who's in ministry, pastors, youth pastor, whatever. Is that we cr- around Christmas time? It gets it's just so cliche that right. We just we've we've heard the Christmas story. We know the Christmas story, and the impact of it continues to get lost and lost and lost and. Um, and you almost have to take a time away to really sit and meditate and really think deeply. Like you have to pause and say, wait a minute, God is, has come into the world, um, that his, his light has pierced the darkness of our world, and that the fact that God became a child, it, it's just my, it should be absolutely mind-boggling. Every Christmas we should be just, our minds should be just blown of, of trying to grasp the totality of what it means that, that God has entered our space, that God has entered our world. 
um, and that um, when Christ came, he pierced the darkness around us, right? We, it doesn't take much convincing. I know when I, when I teach the students, it doesn't take much convincing to tell them, like, um, to tell them that we don't live in a perfect world, right? It's, it's very obvious that our world is not perfect. It's very obvious that we're not perfect. It's very obvious that there's, there's a darkness in our world um, and, and within ourselves. Um, and then the fact that God comes as the light to show us, to lighten us to our sins, to a lightness to the sins of our world, and to a lightness really to a world that which is to come, um, a, a world that we are yearning for as believers. So um, these these are two great quotes that help reinforce that um, essential Christ or essential Christmas truth of God entering into the world and, and providing light in our darkness. Yeah. So we we said this is uh, this is going to be from John John one. And, you know, Stephen talking about how cliche uh, and just how repetitive the, the Christmas season is. And a lot of people find comfort in that. And as do I. But, yeah, as, as uh, spiritual leaders, when you're trying to um, trying to bring a, a message or some content that can uh, really help people feel uh, connected to the season and somehow experience a new level of joy or or meaning within it, um, it's it becomes challenging. <laughs> so, uh, not because the the content isn't good enough, but uh, because it, you know, it burns on us to, to come at it from a different angle. Okay. Uh, the content itself, this concept that we're celebrating God in human flesh, the greatest gift ever given. Uh, there's there's nothing small or insignificant about that. Uh, but I I, I love uh, what I'm trying to get at is I, I loved this chapter and it forced me to take a a look at um, John and see John 1, not just as uh, the first chapter of John, but as John's Christmas story. John's Christmas story, because, you know, when we think of the Christmas story, usually we go to Luke 2, and uh, occasionally we'll, we'll hop over to Matthew. Uh, it's got uh, a version of the Christmas story. We never think, at least I never thought of John 1 as a Christmas story, because it doesn't talk about shepherds or uh, angels or babies or you know Mary or Joseph or any of that can't can't make a nativity set out of John one it would not be very um, pretty wouldn't wouldn't be tangible wouldn't exist so uh, John one uh, takes us though through through John's approach to the incarnation and steps back and takes in the big picture the full scope of the significance of this and so I love this uh, this concept of looking at Jesus as the light and uh, Hamilton's chapter and then the fact that I uh, ended up um, preaching this this Sunday uh, on this chapter uh, you know gave me uh, and it, the excuse to take some extra time and go deeper into it but um, connecting this back to Genesis 1 and, and you know from the beginning of, of creation when God said let there be light you know the, the earth was was uh, formless and empty and it was this dark empty space um, and God, from the beginning of creation, uh, God's light was the first gift, and, and the first step of creation was God shedding his, his light uh, and, and brilliantly casting it across the entire uh, world. So that's the first step of creation, but then we get this, this uh, narrative throughout the Old Testament of how uh, following the fall of humanity and, and the broken dream of, of the Garden of Eden, uh, the light of, of the Lord is, is slowly diminishing because people can't, they can't, um, they can't stay connected to it. This blanket of sin is just smothering them. And, 
and um, they just are helpless to do anything about it. So uh, by the time, you know, John 1 comes al- along um, and, and Jesus' time, you know, the, the people seem to have completely lost track of who God is. There's, there's even no prophets uh, speaking into the time for 400 years before Jesus comes along. It, it's like this, this uh, empty, silent time uh, from God, and uh, the, the world has become dark. It's almost like the dark ages uh, before the dark ages, right? But uh, God sends Jesus, and John 1 captures this notion of Jesus as the light of the world, and the entire nativity story has this theme of light all over the place, you know, with the the angels lighting up the sky and and the star shining bright and pulling people into Jesus and talking about Jesus as as the light of the world. And then on on Christmas, we celebrate with candlelight, and we'll talk about that in a minute too, but um, you know this this notion that Jesus is essentially bringing us into creation 2.0. Um, you know we proved that uh, we are inept, we're incapable of following God and and uh, connecting and and seeking His light um, when we're riddled with sin. Um, so that's what the Old Testament tells us over and over and over again. It portrays that beautifully. Um, so we needed a, a a reboot. We needed to hit the reset button and come at it from a different approach, and God provides that through Jesus. And so Jesus is our, our chance at living in the light again. And uh, he comes and he illuminates the entire earth, and our job is to, to come to him, uh, be drawn to the light, receive it, and uh, distribute it to those around us. So I've, I've fallen in love with this this uh, light theme here in, in the Christmas story and in John 1, and uh, just for me, that whole getting stuck in the cliches and repetitiveness of Christmas. I feel like I've broken broken free of that some this year. Being able to to focus on God as as light and Jesus as uh, the the return of God's light into this world uh, being a beautiful thing. So that covers that. We're gonna hop over to page one thirty four, and uh, here's a quote from near the top of the page. Uh, In fact, I'll just start at the top of the page. Jesus is the incarnation, the authoritative word, wisdom, and reasoning about God. While Christians often speak about the Bible as the word of God, the word of God in in its most decisive and definitive form came to us not as a book, but as a person. Jesus is God's self-disclosure, God's revelation of himself to humanity. Um. So I feel like there's uh, sometimes this tension between where do Christians look for authority um, and, and what is the most reliable source of authority. And, um, and of course, other, outside of, of John 1, uh, you, you, when you hear God's word, the phrase God's word, your, your mind's drawn to Scripture, the Holy Bible. And, um, you know, many Christians look to Scripture as their, the utmost authority on who God is and, and his plan for us and, and how we're supposed to live. And I, I wouldn't uh, challenge that whatsoever. I think the Bible is uh, very much authoritative and um, it is a, a comprehensive um, uh, guidebook to everything that we could ever need to, to understand and learn about God in our lives. Uh, but in John 1, we got Jesus presented as God's word. Um, and he's not like the Bible 2.0 or uh, the preview to the Bible. He is just another self-expression of God um, in this world. So just to take a moment to celebrate the fact that this doesn't, doesn't have to be a competition 
Um, who, who, where do we look for authority? Is it the Bible? Is it Jesus? God can express himself in multiple ways, and both Jesus and the Bible in most respects are, are, are flawless, are perfect, are a beautiful expression of, of God, and can help us as we view each one through the lens of the other um, to truly take in and internalize who God is and, and who we are called to be and, and what our relationship with God uh, can look like. So I think this is the beauty of, of imagining Jesus as the Word of God, not in conflict with the Bible, um, but reinforcing and supplementing what the Bible provides us um, to, to help us understand our faith. Yeah, and I, I think what's important here about Jesus being the Word of God is that it, how should I put this? I, when I speak to the students, I, um, a lot of times when we, when we think of salvation, um, sometimes you can see it as like um, an e- equation. It's not a, it's not just this statement equation on a piece of paper. Um, our salvation is with someone who is real, a real mm-hmm. person, a human being, um, and our relationship with Jesus Christ is a real, authentic relationship. We're not having a relationship with um, some equation. We're not having a relationship with an impersonal force. We're not having a relationship with quote-unquote the universe whatever that is a lot of people like to say like we're having a relationship with the real person who hears and listens and speaks and who's alive right and who promises to come again Uh, this is this is a person who we will meet someday right this isn't some like oh we'll meet some fairy dust thing in the air like we're going to meet a real person someday um so it just makes this really authentic and really earthy that um, Jesus Christ is the Word of God, um, and this goes back also to that. I think what Adam Hamilton's doing here too. He's putting the Word of God, the written Word of God, kind of in perspective, in the sense that um, just like Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, "You keep studying the Word of God because you th- you keep studying the Scriptures, believing that it contains eternal life, but the Scriptures that they are reading points to Him, right?" So. Um, and this and this is true for us as well because obviously we live in a world um, that people interpret scripture differently on some some issues. Um, some um, that's why we have so many denominations, right? Because some interpret baptism this way, some interpret baptism that way, some interpret the Lord's Supper this way, some inter- interpret it this way, whatever. But when it comes to like how we view salvation, there is only one Savior. There's only um, one way to be saved, and that's um, through faith and grace alone, uh, through um, the sacrifice, the life and death, of res- and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the confessing of our sins, the repenting of our sins, and giving our life to Christ. I mean, that's what salvation is. That's that's what it means to be. That's what it means to begin your uh, following Christ. Um, so the scriptures and all that they are, and as great as they are. Um, their primary function is to be a signpost to Christ, to um, Jesus, right? Uh, to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, God isn't, um, he's described in Scripture, but he's alive in our world, right? Um, he just doesn't live in the pages of a book. He lives in the real world that we that we live in. Um, it's different, like when you think of <laughs> Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, th- those characters only live in the book. That they only exist in there. They don't exist outside in the real world. There's no real Harry Potter. Um, sorry to bust anyone's bubble. Um, there's no real Hogwarts or any. All of that is just fiction. Um, but the Bible 
is speaking to the world that we live in. It's not fiction. Um, God is alive off the page. Um, he's not just contained in the page. So I think that's what Hamilton is, is speaking towards. Um, and so it's a, it's a really great, great quote, um, again, that helps us to gain perspective on uh, the word of God and on, on, on Christ in which the word described. Um, the next quote we're going to look at here, um, I have a quote and Paul has a quote. <laughs> so we have two different ones here to end with. I have, on mine is on page 146. Um, and it says, in our world, you're either bringing darkness or light by your words and deeds. You bring joy, love, and hope to others, or you take it away. You bless and build up, or you tear down and hurt. Life is either all about you or it's about others. Um, so what he's saying here. Um, is that um, the light that we have, the light that Christ gives us when we follow Christ. Um, he also, he's also quoted saying that um, as we become children of the light, we can't keep that light within ourselves. It is meant to spill out from us, naturally touching the lives of others. So he's also quoted saying that, meaning that the light that we inherit through Christ is a light that is going to be spread to others. It's, it's just, I mean, you've probably, you as listeners probably heard the example before of like a cup um, that's overflowing with water is going to get everything else around it wet, right? So um, the exam that example is to say like when, when God fills us with his light, when he fills us with his love, his peace, his presence, it should be um, within us an overflowing thing that gets everyone around us and wet, right? It, it should touch all the lives around us. It should touch our life and bubble over and touch all the lives of those around us. Um, and this is what he means, that when, when God provides the light, um, it changes us so much. It changes us so much inwardly that we cannot help to change outwardly. Um, and I would even argue that scripture says if, if it's the inward change, it just automatically makes an outward change. Like it, It's impossible to be changed inwardly but not change outwardly because if we don't change outwardly, we don't really understand it inwardly. Right? Um, you can fake it. Right. You can fake it outwardly, um, which is called legalism or um, hypocrisy. Right. You can fake it outwardly. Um, but if you have the genuine change inwardly, that that can't be fake. God, God knows our hearts. He, he knows our motivations. He knows our desires. Um, and that's what is genuine when we when we change inwardly and then it changes us outwardly. Um, but, yeah, great quotes. Um, I think it, it's, again, a great summary for this chapter, a great summary for the whole book, really. Um, so, yeah. And that's uh, something we so often miss in Christmas season. It's it's not about uh, the outside. It's it's about an inside-out type of change and transformation. Christmas is you know, there's so much on the surface uh, that, that defines what Christmas is supposed to be and feel and, and look like and, and what our experience is supposed to be. But ultimately, the, the most important thing we can take away from Christmas is that internal change uh, then that changes what we look like, who we are on the outside then throughout the rest of the year. Uh, so just an important lesson to to uh, hammer home here in the Christmas season. This last quote, we're, we're jumping back to page 139. And so Hamilton is... Uh, taking a moment here to kind of describe uh, at the, the Church of the Resurrection, where he's the senior pastor, uh, their process and their candlelight services on Christmas Eve, and similar to, to Rocky River as well, as they close with Silent Night, they pass the candlelight around the room. Did and you know uh, his uh, church is in Casey? 
KC. Kansas City. Yeah, where where's, from. Where's that? is there something special about KC? Yeah. Uh, Chiefs, my parents, me, barbecue. <laughs> in that in that order? <laughs> or just was that a random order? Yeah, it was just a random order. Oh, okay. You said what's important about that, so I was just listening to some things off. Chiefs and barbecue and Yeah. My yeah. parents, family, sister, yeah. my upbringing. Your upbringing. Okay, Your past. Your Anyone's listening from Kansas City. What was that again? <laughs> is that like a Kansas City yeah, it's thing? Yeah, Kansas City thing. Yeah. The woo woo. Yep. Okay. Well, Kansas City I, strong. Yes, <laughs> that's a good um, audio of what strong sounds like. What, what was that sound again? I can't make it again. It, oh, okay. It, my vocal cords are getting really tired right ah, now. Ah, we, we better end. we better wrap yeah. things up here. So, uh, Hamilton's talking about the candle before we somehow got into Kansas. Oh yes, uh, his church is in church. Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the candlelight spreading around the sanctuary at, at the Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, and, and Hamilton steps up and he says, "This is this is essentially what he uh, what he vocalizes each year at, at this point." He says, "This was God's big idea in sending Jesus. A moment ago, one small candle enter, entered this room of darkness, a very small light for such a dark place. But God's strategy was that those who believed in Jesus, who received His name," would have his light within them, and they would then reflect his light and live his light in acts of justice, mercy, and love. In this way, through us, each of us doing our part to push back the darkness, the world would be filled with light. This is the mission, the calling, the vision, and the promise of Christmas. So uh, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot needs to be said the image itself to me is, is enough, but uh, simply say a beautiful way to uh, once again drive home the, the message of Christmas. It's about the spreading of, of the light of Christ. And uh, our job, just as it is uh, on Christmas Eve when we stand in a candlelight service, is, is to receive the light, uh, to, to hold it aloft and uh, ensure that it, it defines us. And when other people look at us, what do they see first? They see the light, right, in, in this dark world that they would see and identify us with the fact that we are bearers of the light. And then when we receive it, what do we do? We, we pass it to those around us. And if each of us does our part, then there's nobody standing in the room that has to be uh, bathed in darkness. Everybody is covered by the light. Everybody receives the light. Everybody proclaims the light. And uh, the darkness of that space is pushed back. It's, it's, uh, it's defeated by our mutual efforts to spread the light. So... Uh, this is this is Christmas Eve in a sanctuary, and this is life as followers of, of Jesus Christ, and uh, just this powerful image of of all of us. If if we were to ever get it right, if we were to ever finally, you know, each of us as individuals, and then together as as one great community united around the cause of spreading the love of Jesus Christ. If we ever get it right, this is what it can and should look like, and it does look like. Um, when we do get it right in short spurts, but um, just the powerful image of us truly um, investing in, in that process and committing our lives uh, to, to living in such a way that we are the light and we together can overwhelm and push back uh, the darkness. And that's the message of Christmas and a promise uh, that it provides us. That can be true in our lives and uh, in our church community. So I hope that's true for you. I hope uh, this Christmas that uh, the message becomes reality for you. It warms your heart, and it uh, pushes you to uh, internal change 
um, all while feeling and experiencing the joy and the hope um, that only Christmas and a message of, of incarnation can bring. So uh, good to have you all with us. And uh, Stephen and I are going to sign out. Wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. And just a reminder that um, this would probably be our last podcast recording for at least two weeks while we take a Christmas and New Year's break. And uh, we'll have some fresh content for you in the new year. So we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And uh, and we can't wait to speak to you again and um, have some new content. Yep. 2022. Yeah, here woo. we come. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. All right.